Hello, Assalamualaikum and Ramzan Mubarak to everybody. Ramzan began on Sunday. Today is Wednesday. It's three days. And as I promised, um, I'm up with another episode of my podcast. And obviously, it's going to surround Ramzan and it's going to uh, surround family issues once again because as I've always uh, repeated, um, in various places and on various occasions the family is the core of any society of any system it all stems from there it begins from there so um, it is an individual's first introduction into society that's through family and uh, but first of all uh, obviously we will talk about Ramzan um, I have noticed, uh, and this is something that, again, I have mentioned before, but these past few years, Ramzan doesn't seem to have that that ambience, that quality, that festivity about it that it has always had before. I mean, before you could actually feel it in the atmosphere, the aura of Ramzan is coming. You just felt it. And now it's like, you know, yeah, okay, whatever. And I don't know if it's because of the socio-economic conditions of the world or if it's because of the depressing, uh, you know, sociological and psychological depression. If it's because of, you know, it could be any and all crises put together, really. I think the fact remains that as a civilization, we are regressing and we are regressing psychologically, we are regressing sociologically, we are... uh, fear regressing as a civilization obviously um, and this the impact can be seen uh, in our way of living obviously um, I, th- I you know Ramzan is supposed to be the month that gives us a break from all of this it's supposed to be a month where we get this rehab for free it is a month where we are forced to go into rehab, where we are forced to go into self-reflection, self-analysis, where self-assessment, where we actually get the time, the space, the the whole you know uh, the whole world seems to come together to help us all get down to self-cleansing, you know, detoxification of the mind, the body, and the soul. That is what Ramzan is supposed to be. I don't see people recognizing that fact. I mean, practically, nowadays. Before people recognized this fact and practically, deliberately worked on it. Now people don't. Um, Now it's, you know, I mean, uh, you know, as the Prophet also said that if you just physically refrain from eating and drinking, but you still, uh, you do not work on your bad habits, you still lie, you still cheat, you still bribe, you're still dishonest, you know, then God doesn't need your fasting. It's probably not even going to be accepted, really, because, again, see, the point of fasting, the whole point, the basis of it is that God teaches us survival skills. So he's like, okay, you think that you cannot survive without eating and drinking. This is the most basic 
uh, you know need for survival right and if you can learn to live without making that the whole sum of your life then you can learn to live without anything becoming a weakness so you will come out on the other side stronger that's the whole purpose you know so ramzan is supposed to be the month where you can actually get down to it and you work on yourself you work on your bad habits and seriously the amount of bad habits you end up shedding in this month you realize that you the, these were things that you could have really done without and you don't understand how they became a habit in the first place because of that we tend to uh, enjoy this month even more because we realize that yes we are stronger yes we can do it yes we can live without so many things so much clutter in our life psychological clutter and physical and social and you know spiritual so to be honest this is a month that is to be used fully to our advantage and we have stopped doing that we need to work on it more and we need to i think remind ourselves and and our kids and everybody else around us the importance because if you fast physically but you're not completing the whole process of fasting which is fasting spiritually and fasting socially and fasting yourself out of your bad habits uh, then really you've defeated the purpose and you might as well not fast so when i see people nowadays that they spend the whole day you know they fasted and everything and when it comes uh, when it comes time to break fast they just you know oh, we've been jonesing for a fag you know oh we need to get high again and what's the point you know what what's the point why even fast you you just ruined it you just screwed up the whole thing you just you know in rehab there's a step right this process it's the same here so if you don't complete your steps and if you don't complete the process then you might as well just get yourself out of it because you're not you're not actually getting in with the program and it's actually more to your disadvantage in any case so i i think you if personally i also feel that it's as if you're insulting the whole concept of ramzan and you're insulting um god really it's like spitting in his face that yeah well you know we're doing ramzan we're we're you know we're not eating we're not drinking but hey you said it yourself that when we break fast we can go back to our daily lives so getting high is my daily life getting high is a crime it's not just a crime in islamic law but because remember the whole world right now the whole modern civilization is based on the islamic law whether they know it or not is a different um uh, debate but uh, their politicians and their makers of constitution and their legal organizations are all actively aware of it and the islamic system the islamic legal system is you know practiced all over the world and so the law is the same all over the world drugs are illegal so drug usage and uh, drug abuse it's a crime so to actively seek out a bad habit of yours that is actually 
a crime, uh, you know, despite the fact that you think that you are fulfilling your duty while physically refraining from food and drink during the hours of fasting and getting back to all your bad habits after that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I think you just spat God's face, really. And there's a, there's a lot of that going on anyway. I mean, you know, um, you have Palestinians and Kashmiris and have you noticed how every year during Ramzan, the aggression towards them or against them by India and Israel doubles, triples even. They think that, you know, they're challenging the believers and they think that they are taking advantage of the fact that the believers are not supposed to use foul language, they're not supposed to fight, they're not supposed to argue, they're supposed to endure, they're supposed to have patience, so let's just, you know, and look, this is their God, you know, he's so weak, they're so weak. But actually, you're kind of wrong, because uh, even if you fast during Ramzan, you can still fight wars. Yes, who said you couldn't? Wars have been fought, because fighting for your defense and for justice, that is always a good thing. So, yeah, nowhere is it written that during Ramzan you should refrain from wars, even if it means you should get invaded. No, they will continue to fight. They will continue to defend themselves and their lives and their lives of their loved ones. So, I, I you know, it also uh, serves to prove uh, my point that whether you're Muslims or non-Muslims, at the end of the day, there is no fate. There is no trust. Um, there... There is no uh, belief anymore um, because if, especially, it's especially crucial for Muslims because if on one hand you think that you're praying and you're fasting and you're giving charity and zakat and everything, but on the other hand, you're not practicing what a Muslim is actually supposed to practice and that is a foundation of Islam and that is a good human being, then... Um, on on a stricter, very stricter level, you're not a Muslim, really. Because God is a being of mercy, but humans are not, okay? Humans are not God. So they will not forgive you any of your trespasses against them. The trespasses that God will forgive you is the trespasses done, done against him. But he has already made it very clear that it's hands off when you're trespassing against another person. So... All the things that you do and say with or to or against another person, unless and until that person doesn't forgive you, God cannot forgive you. His hands are tied and it's, he's made it clear. So, so those people who think that, you know, they're doing a great deed by being warmongers and by invading other countries or just by hurting other people by little things as individuals, um, it proves the, uh, the fact that they don't believe in death and they don't believe in a life after death. They don't believe in the fact that we came from that life. We have to go back to that life. So I would actually, uh, for those people, I personally think that they should please go ahead and do whatever it is that they want to do in life because I would love to see their faces when they realize that, oh my God, there really is a life after death. And... You know, the, one of the worst and the best parts of it is that in this life we suffer, we die, it's finished, it's the end. But when we go to the next life, that's forever, which means it's never ending. So it's a, it's a good thing and a bad thing, obviously. And I would uh, 
I mean, I, I really do believe because if if we picture our death on a daily basis, if we picture ourselves six feet under and we remind ourselves that that is how we're going to end up, I doubt we do the things we do. I doubt we say the things we say. I'm sure of it. If If we remember our death and the end, we wouldn't do the things we do to others. We wouldn't say the things we say to others. And yet, you know, as I said, we we keep on doing and saying those things to others on a daily basis. I have particularly noticed how even during Ramzan, you know, which is a month of self-reflection and a month of consideration for others, there is always just one or two people who are just slaving away throughout the day while everybody else is lounging around. You know, and how in our societies the family system is still based on our culture as opposed to based on religion because it suits them. It makes, you know, it's so much easier to put all your burdens on one person. Throughout history in our culture, there has always been, even in a joint family system, there's always been that one person who carries the burden of the whole family. Usually it's the eldest of the family and the eldest son. But now, actually, it doesn't matter. It's, it, it has, it's just one child. Always there's one child in every generation of every family that takes on the burden of everybody else. Okay? So we have parents who... I mean, see, this is the irony here. and It's kind of funny. In, in a typical household, the father has his job, his duties, his role to play. The mother has her job, her duties, her role to play. Now, according to Islam, everybody's supposed to pitch in because you're a family. But in our society, which prefers its pre-Islamic culture to Islam, we believe that only one person should take on the burden. Usually the female child should take on the burden. And sometimes uh, it could be the male child. It really depends. But so the father has his own duties, the mother has her own duties, and then suddenly both the father's duties and the mother's duties and the duties that were supposed to be of the other siblings all get thrown onto that one child. And what makes it even worse is that usually you will find out that that one child is either married without children or unmarried. Now. Has it ever occurred to you that if they want to be single, it's because they want to have a liability-free life? They want to have a life. They want to live their life. Or maybe it is that it has occurred to you and you're so jealous and you're so envious that you deliberately tie them down with all your burdens so that they should not live their life because you're thinking, hey, we're stuck here. Why should they, they, why should they be the ones to live their lives? Is that it? I think that is it. And there again, you defeat the purpose of family. And you prove my point on the fact that the first contact of uh, social contact that an individual makes is through his family. And the first education that he gets, the first learning, the knowledge of practical life is through his family. So the first people to lie to a person, to the individual are the family. The first ones to do injustice are the family. The first ones to degrade and humiliate are the family. The first ones to use and abuse and exploit and manipulate are the family. So, there you go. You've educated your child. You've welcomed him to the real world. This is an ongoing uh, 
practice in our society. We really need to get rid of it because you cannot call yourselves Muslims and then give priority to your culture over Islam when it suits you. Right? In Islam, a family means you're all a family. You all need to pitch in. You all need to do your due diligence. You all need to do whatever you can. But in our society, it is that one person who becomes a slave. And that person, and, and instead of acknowledging, there's another thing that I have noticed that even if parents are, uh, and parents are almost always blessed with children who will be doing something or the other for them. But in our society, it is a practice, a very common practice to diss your children. And, you know, you talk about other people's children that, look, they're, they're, they do this, they do. You know why you know that they do this and they do this? Because their parents, unlike you, actually acknowledge them in front of you. While you are sitting here criticizing your children, who at that very moment that you're criticizing them are actually doing something for you. Somebody's maybe in the kitchen cooking for you. Somebody's maybe taking care of the house for you. Maybe somebody is out there doing your some, taking care of some problem of yours while you're sitting here whining and complaining. So I, I personally have experienced the fact that I have seen majority parents in the world in general and in our society in particular are ingrates. They're extremely ungrateful. They're so ungrateful. And society works with them in that. You know, society, instead of telling them that, yeah, no, you shouldn't say such things, but you should acknowledge your children, you will find that the society collectively is ungrateful. And they will all collectively put parents on that high status. You know, let me tell you one thing. It is true that in Islam, parents have a very high status. But it is also true that that status comes with a condition, as I've on many occasions said. It comes with conditions and with reasons. As the Prophet said, giving birth does not make you parents. The way you educate your children, the way you bring them up, the way you make them ready so that they can live their own lives, they should be well equipped to live a good life as good people and as successful people, that makes you a parent. So... Here's a, a very good example of what actually, uh, it's a very small example, but it, it, it can sort of, it, can it encompasses the whole uh, idea, the whole big picture. And for example, when parents cook at home, they will cook what they want to, what they have to, what they need to. And you have to eat that, right? If they make certain drinks, you have to drink that. You know, you don't have a choice. And they tell it. They tell you very clearly, either eat it or leave. That's all you're going to get here. This is our house. So that's all you're going to get here, which makes sense. But when, when that same burden falls upon one of the children who grow up to take over, that child who's taking over will not be in charge enough to say that, okay, I've made this. Everybody needs to eat this or else go do whatever you want. No that child will end up making multiple dishes for all the different family members in the house. And that child will make multiple drinks for all the different family members in the house and still listen to complaints about how this wasn't made well and that wasn't made well. Number one. Number two, parents, when they do the laundry, they do it once a week. They will do it in their own days that they've set 
parents make their rules, they break their rules. Okay, it's up to them. But when that child takes over, parents are still making and breaking those rules. The child is still the child, despite the fact that the child has carried on all the burdens of all the parents and all the family members and is the sole person who actually is, should be technically and Islamically in the position to tell everybody to shut up because he or she is in charge. But no, that person has become a slave. So that person hasn't taken over the reins. That person has become a slave. So he will. that person will pay the bills. That person will do grocery shopping. That person will go to the bank. That person will do the cooking. That person will do the take care of the house. That person will also do the laundry. And that laundry will also be on the whims of the parents and the different family members. It wouldn't be just one day of the week. No, it will be maybe three to four times a week even if needed based on the whims of the family. So that is that is what our society is, okay? That is the truth of our society. That is what parents and parenting laws and families and family laws are all about. So when a wise person chooses not to get married because they do not want to be tied into all this, they don't want their lives to be full of liabilities. They want to be able to actually do something with their lives. When a person makes that decision, then the family suddenly decides that that person has no right to have his or her own life and they tie them up and they make them their slaves. And I have literally heard people tell me how their in-laws would say that, oh, you know, you don't have kids. It's not like you have a life. So you're telling me that if you want to have a life, you have to get married and you have to have kids. Otherwise, you don't have a life. I smell envy. I really do. I smell envy here. You're actually envious of the fact, jealous of the fact that you have no life and you cannot see a family member of yours to be in a position where they can live their own life and enjoy and have some laughter. So you are going to make sure to put paid to that. That's exactly what is going on. That's exactly how I see it. You can put all the, as Azrat Ali said, you know, the worst thing, if there's anything that is worse than lying, it's making excuses. Justifying your wrongs. So when you make excuses and you justify your wrongs, that's the same thing. The person who is being trampled on has the right. In Islam, he's the only person who has the right to complain and to say that you did this to me. The person who is the accused has no right to justify why. Because either you really don't know what you've done to the other person, or you know and you're just a liar and you're justifying it. In either case, you have no right to justify yourself. Why? Because the other person has already become the victim. Even if it's a misunderstanding, but that person has become a victim. That person is the one who you trampled on or hurt or disturbed or whatever. This is what Islam is all about. And I don't see anybody coming out of Ramzan practicing that. I see people still throwing all their burdens towards that one person in the family. I still see our society locking down people to their whims and their fantasies and their conditions which have nothing to do with Islam. 
I see people borrowing Western values when it suits them, and I see people borrowing Hindu values when it suits them, and I see people borrowing, you know, any other value when it suits them, any other value but Islam, because Islam doesn't suit you the way Christianity may, or the way Hinduism may, or the way any other culture may. Because Islam is all about fairness and it's all about justice. And we use the word mercy very wrongfully as well. We always seem to tell the person who is going through all that trampling in his life that, oh, you will be rewarded for your endurance, which is wrong. The Prophet made it very clear that the person who oppresses and the person who is oppressed, they're both in the wrong. The oppressor is wrong because he is forcing himself onto the other person and the person who is taking it is wrong for taking it. So when you do have that person who you've been burdening all your life suddenly stand up and say, you know what, I've had enough. Do your own stuff. He becomes the bad guy. I have seen couples break up because of this. Because the son who has no kids has suddenly become the beast of burden. He has to take care of the family business and he has to take care of the family and he has to why because he doesn't have any other responsibilities and liabilities well guess what you're wrong he does he has the duty the responsibility and the liability to live his own life and to take care of his wife and her rights and then you end up blaming the wife when she finally gets sick and tired and leaves him or makes him to leave the family so we actually encourage victimization we want victimization and we never want victims to stand up for their rights and this is where we are wrong we love to make people bichares you know oh poor this poor person oh that poor person islam doesn't like that islam doesn't like us glorifying victimization and it doesn't like us glorifying endurance of oppression and it doesn't like us glorifying endurance of constantly sacrificing your life for other people. It doesn't. We need to wrap our heads around that. Because I believe that if you believe in a religion, you either believe in it completely or you leave it. You can't just take what suits you and leave what doesn't suit you. You can't do that. Islam is a modern religion, like it or not. It is a religion that is for minorities. It is a religion that is for equality. It is a re religion that professed diversity. It is a religion that made the first law ever on anti-discrimination, on anti-racism, okay? It made the first law ever on gender equality. And who are we to rewrite those laws? It made the law on protection of rights of orphans, of women, of girls and boys, children in general, of older people. Anybody and everybody is equal in the eyes of the law. And anybody and everybody is equal in their rights to live their life. That is what Islam is all about. Even the Prophet was not allowed to force other people into religion. And the Prophet in turn did not allow others to force others into religion. If you cannot even force somebody to believe in God, 
how can you force them to listen to your views and your opinions and your practices and make them make it theirs that is the first thing that god mocks us in the quran you know in the quran when you open in surah al-baqara that the first thing that god mocks you on is that you blindly follow your forefathers and when asked about it you say it is because it is our culture because they did it you don't even have a logical reason for it islam tells us to look for what is right and what suits us and to work on that are we doing it i don't see anybody doing it why because it doesn't suit us it doesn't suit our purpose the status quo islam came to break the status quo we are here to keep it we need to realize how wrong we are and we need to realize that ramzan is about practicing these things not about talking about them it's not about refraining from food and drink it's about refraining from bad habits from weaknesses from temptations and desires all of these weaknesses and temptations and desires to constantly be objective to constantly remind ourselves that this life is not permanent it's temporary and thus we have to conduct ourselves accordingly to hold ourselves accountable for our every action and our every word and our our every intention this is what islam is all about this is what ramzan is all about how can we be good people if we go back, if we go if we end our day without self reflection self reflection is the whole core of our religion self analysis self assessment this is important we need to understand that we need to practice it and we need to stop exploiting other people's in the name other people in the name of family and in the name of society and in the name of culture we need to stop that i'm sorry but uh, the 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 way we glorify people who are suffering injustice this has got to stop because in islam this in itself is a crime how can you tell somebody who is feeling miserable that oh you will be rewarded you will be rewarded because you took on the burdens of your family no they're not going to be rewarded they can be compensated yeah if god would actually compensate because there are some things that even god says there are some things i will not be able to compensate you because the pain is too much the loss is too much so what i'll do is i'll make you forget all about it i'll erase your memories which i personally find cheating but okay that's god's way out of it because even god acknowledges that there are certain degrees of hurt and loss that one human puts another human through that even god cannot compensate imagine imagine the degree of hurt and loss that you can put another person through that even god cannot compensate so he would be obliged to erase their memories and according to psychiatrists the the amount of psychological damage that parents can do to their children and parents do to their children is irreparable and it because it lasts forever you could be well over 70 and you would still remember something that your parents said to you or did and go into depression or feel un, you know 
inadequate. We need to stop degrading and humiliating and insulting other people. We need to, in Islam, even a joke is not a joke if it has an ounce of personal, a personal subjective subject in it. If you're being personal with somebody, or even if it's as a joke, if there is something in it that can hurt the other person, it's no longer a joke. But in our society, we make fun of other people as if, you know, and we say, oh, it's a sense of humor. It's not a sense of humor. In Islam, it is the lack of etiquette and mannerisms, and it is a sin. To learn to comport ourselves, that is what being a good Muslim is. How to learn to comport ourselves, how to learn to conduct ourselves with other people. As the Prophet said, guard your thoughts when you're alone and guard your words, take care of your words when you're in front of others. Now, guarding our thoughts ranges from spiritual to uh, worldly to materialistic. It's everything. It's our intentions. It's our thoughts that when that they wander towards, you know, uh, 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 more towards our taqwa, basically, our belief, our faith in God, and the the questions or the thoughts that we have regarding God and Satan and the whole the whole kabuto it can go to as we all know it can go way up there to a degree where we could even say that you know what's the difference between the two they're both playing with us they're both manipulating with us they both wear their chess pieces you know going up to that level so yeah guard your thoughts again against other people the thoughts of envy the ill intentions the ill wishes Guard your thoughts. Dark thoughts within oneself, you know, that can lead one astray or that can lead one to depression or that can lead one to a break, mental breakdown. Guard your thoughts. It's, it's everything. Guard your thoughts. It covers everything. And guard your words when you're with others. Watch what you say. A good Muslim is he from whose hands and tongue, other Muslims are safe. Tell me, who's safe from us? Can you honestly sit down and reflect throughout your day and say, today I did not hurt anybody by my words, by my intentions, by my thoughts, or by my deeds? Can you honestly say that? That is why we keep saying actions are louder than words, you know, but, but to be honest, although actions may speak louder than words, but words have their own degree of hurt too. They can pierce through. They, your actions and your words are what make other people feel. Whatever they feel because of what you've said or done to them, that lasts with them forever. This is why parents are the biggest culprits in that. Whatever they say or do to their children when they're at a tender age onwards, even when they're grown-ups, even when they're in their own middle age, and the fact that parents think that they're it's okay because this is how the real world is, or it's okay to put a burden on just one of the child because, you know, uh, 
at the end, you know, when we die, they're going to have our property. First of all, you have no way to find that out. Where do you have the guarantee that after you die, all your children will actually get their share of property, first of all? Second of all, what makes you so sure that your child will not die first? And third, what makes you think that you dying at an old age will allow your child who is already also old by then to enjoy all that wealth and freedom now imagine imagine if uh, you're you die at 90 or 80 that's the the average age a person dies now you die at 80 90 by then your children are either 60 70 so tell me what good is your property to them at that age when they won't even be physically active enough to enjoy life itself so that is all bullshit that is complete bullshit that we keep on saying to ourselves and to each other and as a society which we ingrain into our people that's bullshit because again like how there's only that one child who takes over all your burdens there will be only that one child who will enjoy during your lifetime and after your death they will enjoy your wealth they will enjoy their freedom they will enjoy their life at the expense of that one child who's been sacrificed to become your slave and you make it even worse when you make them think that they are indeed your slave because you tell them that they shouldn't reprimand another person in the house for not doing the dishes, for example. Or they should take care of the other people's feelings and psychology. But So you're basically telling them that you're not human. Your feelings, your future, your life, your psychology doesn't matter. It's your duty to take care of our feelings, our psychology, our future, right? Our health, our house, our kids and our kids' kids. Because that's what you were born to do, right? This is how you insult, degrade and offend another human being. Because you have to remember, it's only in this life that you are a family where the original life that you came from and which you're going to go back to, that eternal life, you probably didn't even know each other then. So this is a temporary relationship and a temporary life. You need to watch how you conduct yourselves because at the end of the day, you are separate individuals who are all equal to each other, who are placed in a socially hierarchical, you know, a, a, a hierarchy that is temporary. You're not going to be their parents forever. You're not going to be your brothers and sisters forever. You're not going to be spouses forever. You don't know what's going to happen in the next life, where you go back to. So you have to keep reminding yourselves that you may have rights over each other, but it's over each other. It's not one person over the other, number one. Number two, you have to respect each other 
as individuals, as human beings, with fully developed brains and minds. You cannot look down on another human being just because that human being is younger than you, or a child, or a spouse, or old, or young. None of these things matter. At the end of the day, you're all separate individuals with fully developed brains. And you need to respect each other's space, each other's rights, and especially each other's right to live their own lives. Yes, we have a duty to help one another. Helping is one thing. Tying one person down so that they shouldn't have a life of their own is completely wrong. That's not helping. That's denying that person their divine right to live. And you will be held accountable for it. And as I said again, God is a being of mercy. To forgive is for God. Humans are not God. They do not forgive. They demand justice. So you will reap what you sow. And it will be eternal. We need to remind ourselves that every day, every second, every minute of our lives. Then perhaps we would understand the importance and the advantage of having that one month every year throughout our lives for as long as we live to reassess, to reflect, to start all over, to remove bad habits, to regain our strength, to become better people. So, Ramzan Mubarak to everybody and yes, as always, you will have these little background noises and I, I'm sure at this time my uh, noise suppression didn't disturb my own uh, words, my own voice in the process, but okay. I especially pray during this month for Palestine and Kashmir and Syria now because uh, as we have already talked about warmongers and people who are selfish and narcissistic and who care only about themselves and do not know what consideration for others is or means. So we have people challenging others because they believe in a religion that they do not believe in and we have people killing other people because they're different from them. So, yeah, that's how life is. And that is probably a reason why we are the way we are now, all jaded. And probably most of us have lost faith. Some are losing, some are regaining. Cycle goes on. But my special prayer is always for Palestine, for Syria, for Kashmir. That they may get peace one day. And they may get out of this tunnel one day and see the light. And that they maintain their faith no matter how hard it is. I would never ask you to endure. I would ask you to fight back because that's what Islam says. Always fight for justice. Always fight for what's right. Never back down. Never allow people to think you're weak because you're observing 
a spiritual lifestyle or because you are trying to be good in this world being good is a weakness because people are so stupid actually it's just like how you know being a parent doesn't automatically automatically make you wise you're still that stupid person you're still making stupid decisions and most of the times even your kids can actually tell that you're being stupid and uh, they're just tolerating you because you're their parents so similarly you know becoming uh, politicians and leaders do- doesn't make you any less stupid you're still the same stupid people and uh, stupid people hurt others because they don't even know that they're stupid they actually believe they're very wise they don't even know wisdom i mean they wouldn't know it even if it smacked them in the face flew past them they wouldn't so for i do believe that stupidity will only take you so you know it will only take you that far and so let's let's let uh, certain countries be stupid how far will they go your time will come inshallah i wish you all a very blessed very peaceful ramzan with uh, hopes for a better future a more peaceful future and i hope that we all actually get out of ramzan of each and every ramzan that comes in our lives that we get out of it as better people So Ramzan Mubarak everybody this is me signing out with the Hafiz